Drive Time News Class. 30 minutes, 45 and 3 minutes for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day for a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, we still do not know who will be the president uh, on Inauguration Day in How January. How dare you say that? <laughs> Blasphemy. Are you arguing in favor of presumptive president-elect Joe Biden? If only that word presumptive was ever used by the media who... If you had a shot for every time you heard President-elect Joe Biden over the course of the past three days, we'd all be dead. <laughs> I might not be dead, but... They're not course. even talking about the story. <laughs> maybe maybe you can, you can withstand I that. could last one more extra day yeah. than most people probably. But no, I had to make that up. I was like, well, what should we be calling this guy? Because it's not for reals. It's not for sure. And I did a little digging. If you want to hear some just a little details, Let's you can chime it. in. So somebody had asked me if I thought if Biden dies of COVID or assassination or whatever, if Kamala would take his place. And it actually matters when. And this is how I discovered that on December 14th is Electoral College Day where the the votes are counted. Oh, is that where all the freshmen move in? Yeah, it's the, yes. (laughs) Uh, then there's Congress, which do- does have all the freshmen moving in probably around the day that they certify that vote on January 6th. So before the 14th. So my point was my first thought was that. Why don't we just wait until December 14th to see if the electoral votes get counted like he Biden can't do anything before then and. I mean, we've waited. There's no reason not to wait. It would be it's kind of reckless of the mainstream media who has been given this tremendous responsibility. All other voices being suppressed. Mic drop again was like Facebook just will not let him express his opinion about the election. Yeah, I believe it. So, so if they, so December 14th is when Electoral College Day. And at that point, if Biden were to die before that, apparently the DNC could slot in a different name. Uh, and Hillary or Kamala. Yeah. Yeah. Could be, could be, could be. So that's a little fishy though. Um, but yeah, they could do that. And then. If it went to between Electoral College Day and the Congressional Certification Day, Congress could swap out. This is what an article I read now. It's not in the Constitution, I don't think, so it's hard to be sure. But is this not the contingent election scenario or is this different? It's different because it's not a tie. It's the person who got the electoral votes is dead. Yeah. So so Pelosi could actually switch some of the votes to the opposing candidate. But I think if she didn't, it would be Kamala. And then after that sort of she could switch them to Trump. Isn't that the craziest thing? That is the article I read. It said that. And it said, of course, it's unlikely she would do that. Yeah, that'd but be a twist. She could. And, and you know, maybe, and I, I don't know, I guess I should have dug in a little bit more, but I found it all very confusing. In any case, if it's after January 6th, then, and Biden were to die before Inauguration Day at the end of the month, Kamala would get it then. She, it, that is clear. 
There was a story yesterday about how Biden is likely to be entering the White House during, I guess, the dark winter, the peak COVID in this country, which that to me foreshadowed him catching COVID, in my opinion, which is another one of those possible ways to get Kamala in there. And we went through some of the possible ways Kamala oh my could go gosh. There's another one. And doesn't COVID cause mental illness? That's a, a story today. Yeah, it said one in five people, a study at Oxford University found, are getting mental illness after getting COVID because, of course, it has nothing to do with being shut down for months at a time. <laughs> right. But they're using but that do. to investigate a cure to figure out why they're getting COVID so that they can then address the problem, which tells me when you can identify anybody as having mental illness because of COVID, then you can lock them up. Yes, there was. What was it? Wasn't there something going on with Bellamy Fitzpatrick's partner who I think left England because of some crazy laws coming down about mental illness or mental health and how you can, if you're accused of having a mental illness of any kind, so if you have any record of of um, treatment, they can take your rights away, basically, which is effectively true here. You have way fewer rights when health yeah. is the issue. Like, look at what we're happening now. But I, didn't, I shouldn't have tried to change the subject. We've still got more on the election stuff. For specifically, oh, oh, I did want to tell you the dark winter thing. So he keeps saying, Biden keeps saying dark winter. And we've been sent this. I don't know if you read the whole thing, but dark winter was a 2001 simulation or yeah. scenario thing run by Johns Hopkins, Tom Inglesby, who ran Event 201. In, in 2019, yeah, and it a, was it was a joint exercise between Johns Hopkins, which obviously is as deep state as it goes, and it's so deep state that it's not part of the government, so there can be no transparency, in my opinion. And they're the ones who trained Sergey Brin and Lady Gaga and the Quora guy and Zuckerberg. But anyway, they they it was a joint venture between them and uh, very high ranking uh, members of the government, the U.S. government. And it was about bioweapon attack. And that, to me, it, it, is that foreshadowing of what phase two is really going to look like? That's what I've been concerned with from the beginning of this, that all this preparation was, in fact, that preparation for something more, I don't want to say real. I'm not saying COVID's not real. I am saying the tests are skewed. There's problems with the testing. The numbers are a bit, there's questions there. But that the public was being trained to be ready for something that might actually be a threat. What's up, guys? With such uncertainty in the world right now, the best way to have true security is by growing your own food. And Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, they got you covered. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, chicken feed, bird feed, farm supply, everything your garden or farm needs. They even host a farmer's market on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And right now, for Propaganda Report listeners only, they're offering 10% off of all online purchases at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. Just type in coupon code PROP, P-R-O-P, all caps, upon checkout. And if you have any questions, give them a call at 678 678- Six five three eight eight three eight. And I also want to add that Neighbors 2021 seed packs, their organic seed packs, and their cool weather seed packs are all now available online at NeighborsFeedandSeed.com. And that coupon code PROP will get you 10% off. So be sure and check that out. So another thing about 
Biden. Oh, yesterday. So yesterday we discovered this buildbackbetter.com, like an amazing URL. And many yeah. people told us, including you and I both found it, that it was established. It was bought, purchased, whatever, in October 2016. Yeah. So some people have speculated to me that um, Kyle and Tim said maybe it was in preparation for a Hillary win. And this kind of stuff makes me think about how real it is. But first I have to say something. So I had discovered this buildbackbetter.com. And last night when I was going through, I was like kind of catching up on my tweets. I discovered that nomadic everyman who is quite the sleuth and honest truther. Buildbackbetter.com, by the way, we should tell because we talked about it in the patron 15. It's Biden's policy website, right? It's where his. Oh, oh, I didn't realize it was the patron 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Yes, it's it's where instead of putting a whole platform out before the election, he put it out on on this piece of this uh, website, Build Back Better, which is a U.N. slogan. It's a World Economic Forum slogan. There are funny montages, visual montages, audio montages of world leaders all saying Build Back Better. It's like the anthrax thing. It's like, a, a you know, a montage yeah. because it's all over the Great saying. Reset. Yeah. But what I hadn't realized, that's why I have to give my hat tip. Um is that prior to me finding it, Nomadic Everyman, who was purged when I was with WordPress, had done a video and sent it to me, which I hearted. But, and people should know this, I can't watch videos. I tweet at like midnight, basically under the covers. I cannot watch videos and tweet them at me. So I didn't watch it. I was just like, I heart to thank, you know, I heart to acknowledge so he probably thinks, oh, really, honey, you figured that out? Anyway, I still haven't watched the video, but I'm sure it's great because he's great. And I just wanted to give him a little hat tip. This is why I can't listen to other people's podcasts, because then I always have to hat tip, even if I didn't get it from them, that they they beat me to it or whatever. But what's in that thing, the buildbackbetter.com, is this, or even just generally this the theme from the left blm whatever they talk about equity equality and like in la they won't open up because of inequity it's it's not advertised here or anything but until the poor neighborhoods who are more heavily weighted it's not just that they bring down the stats it's that their stats are more heavily weighted so that the whole community cannot get left up pulled up until every Part of it is um, above a certain line for equity's sake, not for health's sake. But what I wanted to point out about this, I was thinking about it, it's like equity, equality, what does that mean? And in Sweden kind of had that. I had a good Swedish friend who in her mind, there was only one party. I'm sure there's more than one party, but they all voted the same way. They were all fine with it. You didn't, nobody really got away from the average. They had the same values, the same history. They almost had the same, like, you know, the same culture and all that kind of stuff. And so they would vote like this. You couldn't get really rich, but you couldn't get really poor. Everybody kind of put out the same amount of effort. And that was that. And they were kind of happy with it. If you try to do that here, we are the melting pot. We celebrate multiculturalism. If you even read the parable of the talents, it's like a perfect thing to use here where 
we all have different preferences and different abilities and that kind of makes the world go around. Some people prefer leisure to work. Some people like consumer materialism, whatever. A lot of times these cultural preferences are regional because, Hey, if you're in a cold place, you really value summer vacation somewhere else. If you're in a hot place, you like to laze around, not work so hard, that kind of thing. In this place, it would be very hard to have real equity to even define it. And if you could define it, you would have to impose it, you know, the, the urban blue centers would impose it on the red places where, where they would have a different idea of equality or equity. And that's why the popular vote would be so tough here. And I would take this one step further and say, they don't actually even mean to have that equity, that equality, because Sweden pretty much had it. And according to my very good friend who I believe her. Then they introduced this weird immigration policy or pattern where they took people from Somalia and Iraq. I mean, there's a civil war or something like a civil war in Ukraine right now where they're a lot closer. They kind of look alike. They have some, you know, some kind of commonalities there. You could have a less disruptive society if you needed people who were blue-collar workers, whatever, bring them in from Ukraine, but they didn't. They intentionally disrupted the thing that was working that they say they want. So to me, this idea of equity and equality is intentionally designed to pull down, not to build up the, the, it's, you've talked about this many times, you pull the, the goalpost moves or whatever. And I think back at, growing up and kind of where they wanted to pass the ERA or in the wake of women's live and that kind of thing. They were talking about this idea that a woman was a slave to her husband by staying home with her kids. And of course, what that did was it liberated women to become tax slaves and outsource the raising of their children. This was not an improvement. And that's so it, it tore down something that may have had flaws, but it replaced it with something completely different, not not a liberation of women, but an enslavement of us all. Are you ready to try CBD products and see why so many people swear by everything from CBD oil to body lotion to muscle rub? TrueHempscience.com is at the ready with the highest quality products they developed over decades in the business and a lifelong pursuit of nutrition, health, and spiritual well-being. They are eager to introduce you to the CBD experience and so confident in their products, they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and a special offer for Propaganda Report listeners. To learn more about their company, their passion, and their products, go to TrueHempscience.com slash PropReport. I didn't mean to put such a fine point on it that like we're all enslaved because of women's live. I didn't really mean that, but I do mean that what was, what was promised, what was meant was really designed to destroy. And you don't really know for sure what they plan to replace it with. That's my opinion of all of this stuff, which sounds good. <laughs> they're not even just glittering generalities anymore. There, there's some specifics on there and you are going to get closer to seeing the shape of it all. But I still, you know, I want to, I, I would love to believe that I'm just being stubborn about freedom <laughs> and tradition or whatever, but I don't think these people have good intentions at all. Well, when equity is the standard, then you always have someone who you can use as the oppressed because 
equity is impossible. It's not possible for there to be equality of outcome because a lot of the ways that they evaluate it is subjective. It's not an objective measurement of something. They evaluate it based on how people feel. And when you do that and then you say the standard is equity, then you can always use that. You're oppressed. You're not getting equity. Therefore, you need to come to me and I can organize you as the oppressed. That's It's a, it's a utopian vision that can never be meet that gives them power through organization. That's such a great point because saying exactly what I was trying to put my finger on yesterday is that if if the when you talk about actual material well-being, even if some people would prefer to have leisure than money in the bank or whatever, but if you were to measure it by material well-being, you could quantify that in a in a world that has that can basically monetize anything. You could quantify it. So it can't, it can't be that because then we could say, okay, just give them the money and then we're even. Yeah. Because then they don't have dignity, you know, or whatever. Right. Exactly. It, the respect revolution. And when that's the standard, then you can always say that I feel slighted. Not to mention it's from within you. And that's why they tear you down. That's why they tell you it's out of your control. They disempower you because you could, I mean, look at these guys who give up all material things, walk around in sandals robes. They yeah. are that, they're the, they, if they're happy, they're the could, oppressor. If yeah, they're you, miserable, they're the oppressed. <laughs> exactly. Gandhi, the <laughs> oppressor. So can I tell you about Colbert's first show? Yes, that's what I want to hear about. Joe Biden was determined by the media to be the president. Yeah, he did his first show since that happened. And he started the show off by popping champagne while singing along to the song, Celebrate Good Times, Come On, Celebrate Good Times, Come On, spewing champagne all over his home office. And then he picked up one of those T-shirt cannons that you might see a cheerleader hoisting at a basketball game, firing up into the stands, and starts firing T-shirts at people crammed into his tiny home office, elated, just super excited. And what? Yeah, that was crazy. Those were the only smiles during this 15 or so minute monologue (laughs) that was completely joke free. Your joke free monologue. No jokes were involved at all. He was very serious and very you know, his face was very serious toned in his speaking to the nation. And after his little open, uh, you know, celebratory moment there, he got real with the crowd and he admitted that the Saturday afternoon when him and his wife and he's gesturing to his wife is real. You remember, you remember we were right here in the house. Was she in front of the camera? You could see her uh, occasionally. Yeah. She pops in every now and then. And he said, when we heard that Quote, and he said, Joe, we heard that Joe had, had clinched the electoral. He, he's on a first name basis with him. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I sat down here here on the porch and and I cried. He sat down. He he wept in relief over the election of Joe Biden. He, oh, he, he didn't weep because of Waco and OKC and the USA no. Patriot Act and all the things that we know about Joe. He was so relieved that this monster, this mean Donald Trump was out of the office that he wept. And then he the went on to says talk mean things. Yeah, that this is exactly where he went. He talked about how great Obama was, how mean Trump was. And then he goes on to talk about how Trump is so mean 
that it affects him. And he said this. It's a very telling <laughs> quote. He said, he He's said that I'm his job right is to reflect the national tone and the national tone comes from the top. He said that verbatim. And I'm like, wow, that's are you revealing something here? Or what are you trying to say? But then he said, I have to be honest with you, America. And he's very serious here. Again, no jokes involved. He says, the past four years, I have told meaner jokes than I've ever told in my life. And then he goes on to blame President Trump on him being mean in his joke telling. He didn't feel good being mean, but he was mean because Trump was mean. And that reverberated throughout the country, which caused him to be mean and tell mean jokes. And he said, I, that is my responsibility partially, but ultimately President Trump is to blame for my terrible act for the past four years. He, I, I would, I would push back on that. I wouldn't say he told mean jokes for the past four years. I, I would say that he told no jokes over the past four years and he just repeated what CNN said. He was a propagandist, a, a complete and utter sellout. He stopped being a comedian four years ago and began being a propagandist. But then he goes into talking Can about how... Can I just how, say yeah, go how ahead. disempowering that is? That you're not... You are, you are incapable of controlling your own feelings right. yeah. about right. the world because some guy you do not like or respect is an asshole. Yeah, exactly. Bleep, a bleep hole. I'm yeah. sorry. And he said that he just... He spent all his time focusing on Trump and he's, he's happy he's not going to have to do that anymore. And he also said that he is happy that he can start believing things again because the past four years have been nothing but lies and disinformation and propaganda coming from Trump. Not from him. From Trump. Did you see the clip I think Dean sent us with Mika and Joe complaining how how... Trump was basically controlling how people feel and what they think. And then she says, you know, that's our job. <laughs> well, at least she's honest. It was Not really right. like, oh, right. Well, that's the that's the reaction I had to this next interview, because after Colbert's really joke free, heartfelt model, I mean, he is hosting the late show and he's no, he doesn't even try to tell jokes anymore. He just somberly talks to the audience. I remember when Stewart did that with when I think it was Bush's second election, the reelection of W. He just this this is just it's not funny anymore. And then it just wasn't funny anymore. Yeah. Because they didn't want to humanize Bush. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and Rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great Great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys.com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's sh**. I have to attest that when I wear the propaganda shirt they made for me, the Rye Guys made for me, people do laugh, stop me, chat, ask me where I got it. It's 
they do have good stuff. I have awesome. It re- I love the reminds ad. me funny. of my favorite, previously favorite website, despair.com. Very funny stuff. Anyway, uh, that is true. Good Christmas presents, by the way. After his, as I said, joke-free monologue, he brings out his first guest, who is none other, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, than Stacey Abrams. And he treats her like she got nominated for president. I mean, he is bowing down, kissing her face, and she is talking as though she alone is responsible for Biden winning Georgia and Kamala Harris being in that position to represent people of color as she, women of color, she specifically highlighted. And she, he starts off by asking her, how did you do it? You're, you're the, he called, he said, she's the star of the Democrat party whose get out the vote effort transformed the state of Georgia. That's how he introduced her. Then he welcomed her out to the virtually welcomed her out. And he credited her with, giving the Democrats the first win in Georgia since 92, which Stacey led on that she actually worked on the 92 presidential election when she was in college the last time Georgia won, which is interesting. I I really think they teed it up for her by having that film, those film subsidies. I think there was an, a massive amount of of immigration into Georgia. And, you know, I just, I feel like she did not, she was placed there at a time when they were already orchestrating demographic change. Yes. And remember, Ossoff put all that money, all the people from all over the country put all that money into the blue stuff for Ossoff. Right. Remember? Like, I believe that could have contributed to what she was writing. Absolutely. And she gives an interesting answer that is very revealing in how you might try and turn uh, a state from red to blue or vice versa. Very indivisible, like communist, like tactics that everybody uses. I I say communist because that's what we think of Vladimir Lenin and organizing and spreading, creating little terrorist cells around the, around the country. And first of all, he said, so tell us, how did you organize Georgia? How did you organize Georgia? And they spoke about it as though she were a cattle herder. How did you herd the cattle in Georgia? How did you get all those sheep to do what you wanted in Georgia? I mean, it really was demeaning and uppity the way that they talked about it. A very pretentious tone, like they think that they're better than everybody else. That's so been the thing with the Democrats, especially, is they they are annoyed at the GOP for not reining in the rabble because that's their job. Right. So she says... She starts off by saying that in 2010, that's when she started this organizing effort. She said she started to build the infrastructure that focused on registration, that focused on recruiting and training staff, and that focused on making certain that we were in every single county. So she's talking, getting everybody registered, building an infrastructure of people who are trained activists and having people located in every county. So spreading out your reach of people who are blue in every county, that's already going to be affecting the vote if you're putting that infrastructure. And she had these squads set up there for 10 years. And she said, we repeated this cycle over and over again. And then then she kind of leaps forward a little bit, skips some of the good stuff and goes, and then after doing this for eight years in 2018, I, this is what she said. She said, I finally had all of the money 
I needed to do everything that we ever wanted to do. I raised alone, I raised, like she did it alone, raised $40 million for my campaign. And then after I lost, which surprisingly she admitted, we continued the fundraising efforts to keep this infrastructure of recruiting and training and spreading out into all the counties in place. And I want to read to you. She she mentions, oh, she says, we funded a bunch of other groups doing the same thing. So a bunch of front organizations like Fair Fight Georgia, the New Georgia Project. And she says that she funded it. But I recognize that name because the New Georgia Project was founded in 2015. And George Soros is one of the main people that was behind it. And I pulled up an article from 2015 that even elaborates on the plan that they had back then, which we see coming to fruition now. Go ahead. Then I'll tell it to you. I think. I that what she said about piggybacking on the gubernatorial campaign that adds uh, connects to two other themes that we've talked about. One I just said and only just thought of was that putting all that money into the Ossoff race, which he lost, maybe wasn't about him winning, but about that kind of political machine being installed. Yeah. Similarly, her governor gubernatorial run, which we never thought she meant to win, really was similarly just putting that putting those big uh, building blocks in place. As similar thought when Colbert started joking with her about, I bet the Republicans wish you were governor of Georgia now so you didn't have all this free time on your hands to organize Georgia and take the entire state away from them. And they had a good laugh about that. From 2015, this is when she was starting to get all the money. She had already gotten uh, half a million dollars from Soros to fund her voter registration project and the new georgia project and she said it's going to be the new georgia project is going to be a constellation and she talked about the new georgia project with colbert a constellation of projects scattered throughout the state voter registration efforts are centered in six cities where according to one memo abrams set up field offices with dozens of paid staffers a series of smaller civic engagement projects are designed to push people to the polls. She hosted hackathons where teams of computer programmers competed for 48-hour periods to create applications that made it easier to vote. And she had five-day training courses where applications had a crash course in becoming campaign operatives. And the program was called BLUE, B, like BLUE, uh, uh, an acronym, B-L-U-E. I'm not sure what the acronym means. But then she launched a series of citizen academies designed to demystify the public policy at local levels, which was called the Advocates for Change Institute. And then she gave all these 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 graduates incentive Apple laptops. So she's creating through bribery, essentially. That policy thing. There's a lot there. There is. I know that's a lot to digest. Go. Maybe we should do a Rockfin video really bringing together all of the Stacey Abrams stuff and even some of the John Ossoff stuff yeah. because we do every week we drop a great Rockfin video and we're starting to put old shows up there to kind of populate it for people who want and you get access to other people's stuff Whitney Webb and Sam Tripoli and people that we love but but one of the things that we had touched on before you had touched on before is how she does tailor her message, the message to the audience to the point where it can be it can actually sound like she has two different policies depending on who she's talking to. So that thing about how to tell people to talk about the policies is really I mean, because I'm looking here for what's so bad about this what she's doing is she just getting out the vote no No. i think it's like 
when you had the indivisible people like snapping their fingers where it's them saying, hey, if we tell you to vote for an incarcerated, undocumented person that who you don't even like, you sit by the phone and wait for us to tell you to go do that. And right. you don't do anything until we say that. So it's highly controlled and manipulative. And I think it defeats the kind of purpose of any kind of argument for why democracy or a democratic process is a good way to run. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's really putting an extremely fine point on demagoguery, I think. Absolutely. And what, what this amounts to is similar to a terrorist cell network or a cell network, I should say cell network around the state. And she puts people in these in every county, thus changing the demographics of the county and then makes a call for equal representation in that county. This is what I think is happening when they empty out New York and L.A. They can yeah. really afford to siphon off a lot of people from those places and put them in other places and to manipulate. That's why it got a little out of hand when Ossoff raised so much out-of-state money. And, of course, as a libertarian, you have to be like, well, anything's okay. And, yeah, I get that. Anything is okay. But you can't I, – I also say libertarians die by the sword, but they don't live by the sword. I'm not analyzing campaign finance rules. I don't do too much policy because I think it's I just think it's hopeless. But but it's something to be aware of as a real it's it certainly subverts what is meant to be good about having people vote for their own government. Yeah. And it's trying to force the change in policy by injecting the people that you want to change the demographics of these counties. One, one more quick thing is that New Georgia project has been in constant controversy since the day it opened. It's been sued before. They this is the platform that was used to organize Georgia, and it should be investigated because she's involved. One other thing, when asked about what it means to have Kamala Harris there, she she created a straw man. This is how this whole argument works. She said, "It's a having Kamala as VP is a direct repudiation of this notion that women of color, that people of color are limited in their scope and ambitions and accomplishments. Who is doing that? Who has that mentality? <laughs> no. So this is a straw man she builds so that she can knock it down and be the savior for it. She is maddening. Yes, she obviously maddens you. I try to limit my intake, so thank you very much for <laughs> taking the bullet on yeah, that. Yeah, I know that was deep, some of the deep stuff, but it, since she's in the news and they're talking about her efforts, I thought it was worth it to get some of the tactics and, and what she actually did out there. Got a quick shout out. Cat Duckness, one of the uh, very active patrons if you go to the dpp we all know each other there there is no dpp this no the next one is what the 20th something like that i think that's right 20th i think that's right anyway so she says simply stay strong everyone this too shall pass sadly it's uh i worry that that you know, I worry, like, I want to say that, too, and I think it will, and I'm fine with, like, however the election comes out. It's funny because people, sweeps were, um, <laughs> were heckling me as if I cared about, but I have a funny little comeback. I'll tell you in the Patron 15 about when I was getting heckled for, like, boo-hoo, your candidate lost. And I will also tell you what I learned in my Van Halen tutorial this week. We did women and children first, so 
Get ready for that. I can't wait to hear about that. I love Van Halen. Do you really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I love 80s classic rock. How did I not know rock. that? 80s classic rock. This was my my generation. Well, it, so I guess well, it was before I the was 80s. I was a little young. I was a little young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was a little young. You guys can find your Drive Time right. News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report also check us out on rockfin we make weekly videos we put some other stuff up there as well it's a great platform it's share the show tuesday so share the show we will talk to y'all on the patron 15 or tomorrow have a fantastic rest of your day